Aloha, and welcome to The Word of Hope, with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel, Kaneohe. Today, Pastor Ralph will continue in Genesis chapter 21 with a message entitled, When Prayers Are Answered. This is part two. And now, here's Pastor Ralph. And I, I call this part here, a blessed when we don't deserve it. And I'm talking about uh, this young man, Ishmael, and his relationship with his father and uh, his stepmother and his now little brother. It says, as time went by, Isaac grew and was weaned, which would take about three years in ancient Israel. Abraham gave a big party to celebrate the happy occasion, but Sarah saw Ishmael, the son of Abraham and her Egyptian servant Hagar, making fun of Isaac. Now Galatians chapter 4, verse 29 says, he was persecuting Isaac, and the word persecution would suggest more than making jokes. It would suggest violence and abuse. Ishmael is 14 years older than Isaac, so he's really a young man. He's 17 years old uh, when this deal goes on, and he's giving the little kid a rough time on the kid's kind of coming out party, you know, for the, that they're having this big celebration. It says that she, Sarah, remember she used to be called the dominator, Sarai? She's still got a little of that in her. And she turned to Abraham and demanded, get rid of that servant and her son. He's not going to share the family inheritance with my son Isaac. Notice this, I won't have it. Woo! Heavy duty. But God has other plans. This upset Abraham very much. Now, Abraham long ago had let Sarah kind of push him around. Because Ishmael was his son. But God told Abraham, do not be upset over the boy and your servant wife. Do just as Sarah says. For Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Isaac is the one that was the son of the promise, the son of the covenant. And he says, But I will make a nation of descendants for Hagar's son, Ishmael, because he is also your son. He is your son, so I'm going to bless him. And that reminds me of Proverbs chapter 22, verse 16, where the Lord says that um, um, you train up a child in the way that they'll go, or that they should go, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. You know, the blessings of God are there for us and for our children. In Acts chapter 16 or chapter 18, maybe we put it up there, chapter 16, 31, the promise is made to this guy, this jailer in Philippi, uh, what do I have to do to be saved? And he says, uh, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. And he says, and your house, your family will come along with you. The promises of God uh, are going to work in, in the lives of your family. They're going to work in your children. Sometimes as, as you know, parents, we're we're sweating and worrying about our kids. If we're faithful to bring them up in the things of the Lord, God's faithful to follow through their life and turn their heart to Him. Sometimes there's a hiatus there. Sometimes there's a time when kids got to go stand on their own and they want nothing to do with mom or dad or God either. But you know what? God doesn't let up on His promises and He's there. And He says, because of you, Abraham, I'm going to bless Ishmael. Now notice, Ishmael is, is, is at least here acting like a punk. It's not like you read anything in the Bible about Ishmael seeking God at all. It's all Abraham reaching out to Ishmael, God reaching out to Ishmael. What I'm trying to get through your head is the faithfulness of God to you will cause him to do good things in the lives of those around you is what the scripture seems to be saying. Verse 14. So Abraham got up early the next morning, prepared food for the journey, strapped a container of water to Hagar's shoulders. He sent her away with their son. She walked into the wilderness of Beersheba. That's where she had been before when she had a hassle with the old lady. And she wandered aimlessly. When the water was gone, she left the boy in the shade of a bush. She went and sat down by herself about a hundred yards away. 
I don't want to watch the boy die. I mean, this is grim and gruesome. I don't want to watch my son die. Uh, I'll die on my own. She said as she burst into tears. Then God heard the boy's cry. And the angel of God called to Hagar from the sky. Hagar, what's wrong? Don't be afraid. God has heard the boy's cries from the place where you laid him. Go to him and comfort him, for I will make a great nation of his descendants. Ishmael may not have been very deserving, but God planned to do what he had said he'd do, what he told Abraham he'd do. He'd bless him. Then God opened Hagar's eyes, and she saw a well. And she immediately filled her water container and gave the boy a drink. Did you ever just go through some situation in life where the answer to whatever it was that you needed was laying there right in front of you and you just never saw it? You know, you, you, you go out and you get yourself lost in the woods and, and then you, you sit down for a while and you're all bummed out and you, you wake up and you go, oh, it's right over there where I need to go. It might be a ways away. But suddenly she can see the well that she was unable to see before. And she found that she was... And I sort of think... This is really pushing. I'm, this is real spiritualizing things here. But I think sometimes it's, it's like that. You know, God has to open our eyes. It's like something's there, some solution to the business problem that you're going through, some deal that is going to go ahead and allow you to be able to graduate when the provost is telling you it's not going to happen or whatever. And, and you're going through this thing and then you go, oh, wait, it's right there. God opens our eyes and gives us the grace that we need. And, and so it's, there's the water, it spares them. It says in verse 19, he opened her eyes, she saw a well. She immediately filled her water container and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy as he grew up in the wilderness of Paran. And just so you get it, the word Paran, that's the wilderness of Asia, of, of Asia, almost said. The wilderness of Arabia today. So this is someplace in what would probably be called Saudi Arabia today. And you know what that means is mostly what they eat and drink and shave with is sand. So um, they find water in that place. It says he became an expert archer. Now that doesn't mean that he got into archery contests and this was a hobby. Uh, this would be like saying... That the guy was good at designing websites, or he became a great architect or a great mechanic. As, as an archer, that's a career. He's able to feed his family. He's, he's a hunter, and that's what the Bible's telling us. And his mother arranged a marriage for him with a young woman from Egypt. And what scholars tell us is that what we know as the Arab nation, all of the Arab peoples, are descendants of this guy and this woman that became his wife. And uh, so God blessed Ishmael along with Abraham and Isaac and everybody else in the clan. So here's what are we, I mean, getting out of all this. The first thing is that when you get to get close to God, He's going to get close to you and He's going to, he's going to begin to steer your life and direct you and make certain promises to you. Usually, I think that God is tricky. I mean, I don't know of a better word to, to say it. It's like, oh, you need this? Well, come get to know me and I'll give you this. And He starts to lay stuff out. And you get sucked in. You know, It's like, uh, God starts to answer your prayers and things start to happen and you start going, oh, I like this. And, and you get closer to God and then you start to get all kind of fat and sassy and, and happy and everything, you kind of chill out. And then God will lay some really big blessing and say, I'm going to do this for you. And you go, really? And you, and, and you start to walk after him and, and, and then he deliberately takes his time because the more he takes his time, the more you press in and get to know him. And that's what he's really after in the first place. And in the long run, he comes through. Does that make sense? That's what I'd do if I was God. I don't know about you. <laughs> Verse 20, it talks about what I call the blessing being completed. It says, about this time, Abimelech came to, with Phicol, um, his army commander, to visit Abraham. It is clear that God helps you in everything you do. You know, the Bible in Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says, 
that we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love Him and are called according to His purpose, or those who love Him and are willing to walk in His purposes for their life. If we're willing to walk in God's purpose, then God's going to be on our side. He's going to do all the stuff that we need. He's going to bless us. Acts chapter 2, verse 47, talks about the early church and the Christians, and it says that they were having favor with all of their neighbors. These guys loved the Lord, and their neighbors were looking on and going, give me some of that. And it says people were coming to know God because they were seeing God in the lives of the people. God wants to bless you so much that the people in your family and your neighborhood are going to look around and say, what is that? Give me some of that. I want it. And so this guy Abimelech comes and says, it's clear that God helps you in everything you do. Verse 23, swear to me in God's name that you won't deceive me, my children or my grandchildren. I've been loyal to you, so swear that you'll be loyal to me and to this country in which you are living. Abraham replied, all right, I swear it. Now notice, then Abraham complained to Abimelech about a well that Abimelech's servants had taken violently from Abraham's servants. This is the first I've heard of it, Abimelech said, and I have no idea who's responsible. Why didn't you say something to me about this before? Well, then Abraham gave sheep and oxen to Abimelech, and they made a treaty. And then when Abraham took seven additional ewe lambs, female lambs, set them off by themselves, Abimelech said, why are you doing that? And Abraham said, they are my gift to you as a public confirmation that I dug this well. So ever since, that place has been known as Beersheba, which means the well of oath or the well of the covenant, the well of the transaction. Because of that, because that was where they had sworn an oath. After making their covenant, Abimelech left with Phicol, the commander of his army, returned home to the land of the Philistines. Then Abraham planted a tamarisk tree at Beersheba, and he worshipped the Lord, the eternal God, at that place. And Abraham lived in Philistine country for a long time. Now, as you look at this passage, here's what I see. In this whole chapter, the three major deals that God promised Abraham get met. First, the son. Then you're going to be great, and I'm going to give you a nation through the son. Your name will be great. Your reputation is great. Abimelech comes and sees, Abimelech's a rich, powerful guy, and he comes and he sees, hey, God just gave you a kid. God blesses you in everything you do. You're going to be here for a long time, and I'm going to be here for a long time. And he's obviously anticipating that Abraham's family is going to grow and it's going to grow huge. You be loyal to me. We'll be buddies. So that's the second part of the thing. The third thing is when he gives him the lambs and says, recognize our guys dug this well. What we know about ancient history is that if you dug a well, that not only the well was yours, but the, 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 the grassland that would surround that well. I mean, a, a well is really the center of a feeding system. The well is like, I, I, I mean... You know, if you go someplace in the Midwest out in the Thule's, and there's a gas station, a post office, and a grocery store, right? And that becomes the town center. And, and there may be like 18 people living in the town, but there's 400 people that can survive in the surrounding community because they can get their mail, they can get their gas, and they can get their groceries. You follow me? So you take a well and then a prairie surrounding it, and that becomes a center of life. And, and then there may be plenty of prairie, but you've got to go to the next place where there's a well before anybody can live there. There may be a lot of good grass, but if you're out of a day's walk of water, nobody can live in the place because there's no water. Am I getting through with that? that? That part rings true? So if you dig the well and you got the source of water, then what you have is the circle. You own whatever it is, a day's walk 
away from the well, and that's your thing. What, what, so when Abraham gives him the lambs and says, recognize my ownership of the well, it's the first time in the Bible that you see Abraham actually possessing land, the third of the things that God said he's going to give him. He says, I'm going to give you a son, I'm going to give you a nation and a, and a great name altogether, kind of as one promise, and I'm going to give you a, a, a place, I'm going to give you land. And all of it is happening in Abraham's life kind of all at once in this chapter and there's got to be a sense of fulfillment and all that. But I want to go back to this other part. And this, this doesn't really have so much to do with the blessing of God, although in a secondary way it does. Well, I want to ask you guys, why in the world would you think that this guy Abimelech would be coming to Abraham and, and saying, uh, swear to me in God's name that you won't deceive me? Abraham's supposed to be this godly man, right? He walks with the Lord and he walks in integrity and all of this. What in the world is making the guy come and say, Hey, man, I want to be buddies, so promise you won't lie to me. I mean, where is that one coming from? Anybody got any ideas? Huh? Egypt? What do you mean Egypt? Oh, you heard the story. Abraham lied once before. That's a good one. Anybody else? Just a wild world back then. Just a wild world back then? That probably is true, too. Yeah. Somebody else? Fear of losing his position. Good. Somebody else? He's been betrayed before. Actually, if you read chapter 20, Abraham, Abimelech was betrayed by Abraham once before. <laughs> but I think there's something else going on here. And I think, remember, it says that Abraham complains and says, he says, I'll be loyal to you, I'll be your friend, but then how come you guys violently took this well away from my people? I dug the well, we dug the well. Here's what I think is going on. I think Abimelech is smelling there's something wrong with Abraham. There's something going on. I think Abraham is doing what you and I do when there's some kind of a problem between us and another person. Hi. Everything's just fine. How are you? Once when, when we were really young and like Carl was like a year old or so, uh, some people came and TP'd our house. A whole bunch of people from the church. And uh, I decided I was going to get even. I caught them. I saw them. I walked out in the porch. and we, They woke us up in the middle of the night accidentally. And, and we went out there. And so, so she comes out there. And we thought it was actually funny. And, and so we, we go out there and we go. Uh, I, and I say, don't smile. And so we just stand there and just looked. <laughs> just stared at them. And I go, I want to really get these guys. And so for about... Maybe 10 weeks after. And the church was real small. It's like, there's probably like 60, 80 people in the church this time. It's just getting started. This was in California. And uh, if I, anybody I'd see, I'd go, hi. You know, they, they try to greet and go, oh, hi. And it just, you know, you know that weird thing that you get when you got something mad at somebody and stuff like that? So I, I just would, I, I was pretending I wasn't mad at them. So I'd just go, hi. You know. <laughs> It was so fun. For weeks, I got people come up to me. Oh, I feel so bad. I'm so. I was so wrong. Oh, oh, will you forgive me for what I did? You know. I know. And I go. It's all right. But don't tell anybody else. <laughs> and so we had this thing going on for weeks. We just froze everybody out by just just having a shallow greeting. I think that's what Abraham was doing. When you piece the story together, I think when you read the Bible, you've got to look at sort of the context and go, put your eyes there. What would be going on if I was there? Why is it 
there's this big birthday party. Kid reaches three years old, the whole thing. Abimelech knows about it or he's invited. Who knows? You know, it doesn't say he was there at the party. But it's good times in Abraham's life. And all of a sudden he's going, hey, my friend, be loyal to me. Hey, I'll be loyal to you. Don't deceive me. Be loyal to me. Let your kids be loyal to you. Let your grandkids be loyal. And he goes on. Why? I think there's a little distance here. And Abraham is, is, is bummed because Abimelech's guys knocked his guys out of the range of the well and kind of threw them off the property. And Abraham's bummed out about it. But, but notice this is what I want you to get out of this. Because this has nothing to do. The whole rest of the message tonight is about faith and walking with God and trusting Him. This is about interpersonal relationships. In verse 26, he says, This is the first I've heard about it, and I have no idea who's responsible. Why didn't you say something about this before? And I think one of the problems that we have sometimes as Christians is we, we act so nicey-nicey, and, and there's something happens, and somebody does something wrong. And, and, and here we are. We're walking along trying to have the blessing of God in our life. He's promised to bless us. we got friends, especially non-believing friends. And we get ourselves all estranged from them because we got some little grudge going on in our heart. We're all mad at somebody and we won't say so. We just paste a smile on our lips and go. You know what I'm talking about? Why didn't you say so? You're mad at me? Why don't you tell me you're mad at me? And so I want to give you this little clue. It's in Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. Like, turn over there to it with me if you want to. Because this is like the second sermon of the night. Jesus says, If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the fault. If the other person listens and confesses it, you've won that person back. But if you're unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. In other words, you can get to the truth because you got two or three angles on it. If that person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. If the church decides you are right but the other person won't accept it, then treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. You're a crooked guy ripping everybody off. I tell you this, whatever you prohibit on earth or you bind up in relationships uh, is prohibited in heaven. Whatever you allow on earth is allowed in heaven. And he goes on and talks from there. What, what is this all about? Well, it's, it's the road to get along with each other when somebody wrongs you. And, and like in this case, Abimelech had his guys wronged Abraham and Abimelech never even knew. What are you supposed to do? Well, go tell them. Something's wrong. Something's out of whack. Go tell them. Get it over with. Get it off your chest. You know, I talked to somebody the other night. I found out that somebody in our church is mad at somebody else. And they have talked to 35 other people. Yeah, that's an exaggeration. They talked to about seven other people about this person. Never went and talked to him. Wrote him a big, long, nasty, rip-off-your-face letter, but never went and talked to him. That won't cut it. That doesn't get it. Taking a shot at somebody doesn't get it. If you want to deal with them, go talk to them. I really think Abraham had jumped. Now think about this. Here's what Jesus said. Go by yourself. If that doesn't work, take a couple more people and go so you can get down to brass tacks. If that doesn't work, go to the church. He doesn't mean stand up in church and make an announcement. That guy's an idiot. Uh, what he means is, go to the church authorities, ask them to make some kind of a judgment. And if, that, if none of that worked, then you just sort of paste the little smile on your face and tolerate them at the very end. I mean, that's the way of getting them out of your life. So often, we're getting them out of our life right up front. 
we're, we're going around acting like nothing happened, but we really don't want anything to do with the person. Does that make sense to you? And so you get two for one tonight. <laughs> Is that good? What did some of you learn? She told me she learned that God talks to other people the same way he talks to her, and that, you know, he, he's got a sense of humor in their life like he's got one in her life. Somebody else, what did you learn? God's faithful, God's faithful to his promises. Good. Somebody else? Be patient with your prayers. Nobody else? God blesses me in spite of me. God blesses you in spite of you. All right. I knew that. <laughs> Somebody else? God's timing is his timing. Good. He blesses us more abundantly than we could ever imagine. That's good. Well, let's pray. Lord, all that we've learned, we want to keep. We want to keep it in our head, but more than that, we want to keep it in our heart. Uh, that you're, you're faithful, that you keep your promises, that you want to bless us more than we want to be blessed. Uh, that you're there for us, Lord, and that we can count on you. And so we want to Walk out of here tonight resting in you. We pray that the Holy Spirit will take the things that we've learned and stick them in our brain real good so that they stay there and, uh, and, and turn them into faith so that we'll walk in faith and we'll walk close to you and we'll walk after you and that your grace will happen in our lives. And keep your eyes closed for a moment. We're going to pray again. You know, a, a walk with God is something that's available to any person. All you've got to do is say yes to Him. He does the hard stuff. He sent His Son into this world so we could get to know Him and what He was all about. But more than that, the Bible teaches very clearly that He sent His Son to lay His life down as a sacrifice for all the wrong things we ever did for our sins and our guilt. And that this transaction that took place so long ago was done so that God could look at you or me and say, that person's fine was paid. Somebody else posted bail on this person. This person can go free. And if you and I would like to have a relationship with God uh, based on that everything that we ever did wrong was covered and we can come to Him free, free of guilt, free of shame, then all we have to do is just come and say, God, I want what you're offering to me. I open my heart up to whatever it is you want to put in it. And if that would be you tonight and you'd like to join me in a prayer, basically all I want to do is pray with you. And then after church we have some things to give you that would help you to, to learn how to pray a little bit more on your own at home. I want to give you a Bible to kind of get you into some of the promises that God has so that they begin to be your promises and, and you start to grow strong with Him. But if you'd like to join me in a prayer, I'd like to know that we're praying together. Everybody else has their eyes closed. I want you to tell me that we're praying together by either, if you're in the front, just looking at me like I see someone already doing. Or if you're toward the back, kind of wave at me because they got the lights off and I won't be able to see you. But we're going to pray in about 40 seconds. I'll pray out loud. You pray silently, but pray along with me. I see another person looking up at me. Who else? You want to pray to invite the Lord into your heart. We're going to go on and pray in just a couple seconds here. If you think I didn't see you, wave at me. Okay, there's another person. Join me in this prayer. God, I want all that you have for me. I want your love. I want your peace. I want your power. I want your forgiveness. 
God, I want your promises. I want to get to know you well enough. I hear you communicating in that quiet little voice in my mind. And I want to hear what you have to say, what you, what you intend to do, so I can walk in it and I can, I, can, I can grab hold of you and your blessing in my life. God, I pray that you would teach me about yourself as I hang out with these people and I, I get in the book and study it, that I'll, I'll get to know your personality. I'll get to know your faithfulness. I'll get to know your love for me. God, there's a lot of stuff that I'm ashamed of. I feel kind of weird coming into church because I feel like these are all good people and I'm not one. God, I realize that goodness is something you give to us. It's not something that we manufacture on our own. And so I'm asking you, God, change my heart. Change my attitude. Uh, shape a new spirit, a new attitude, a new outlook inside of me from this day on. I give you permission to be the leader in my life. Thank you for hearing me pray. I offer this prayer in the name of your son, Jesus. You've been listening to The Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel, Kaneohe.